Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 163 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Craig and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode today, breaking down the Toolshed prospect mock, the industry mock that me, Chris, four other great minds were in. We already had the first episode recapping this with three great guests, Drew Wheeler, Brendan Tuma, Matt Heckman. So go check that out. That was episode 162. And we'll have one more out later this week with a lot of other great guests from that mock draft as well. But today, Chris and I are going to break down our drafts, this general over, over thoughts, overviews of the draft in general. It's going to be a fun time. And with me to do so, my good buddy, my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's up, man? Oh, man, not much. Good to talk again. Do another episode. I feel like we're finally getting back in the swing of multiple episodes. A week between is just weird, I feel like. Just feels know, right? so long, like we were just going like recording on Sundays, but it does, doesn't it? It feels like, we, like yeah, it's only like a week, but it feels like we hadn't you know recorded in like felt like three weeks between or something like that. It was like yeah. even though it was only one, but when you're used to doing it every you now like three to three days or so, yeah, it feels a lot longer. Yeah, so it's good to to be back again and uh, chatting about the the mock. It was a good mock. A lot of good people participated. So thank you to everyone who was a part. Thank you to all those who followed along on Twitter and. Other avenues. I know that was very, very cool to see the amount of people that were following along with the picks and tweeting them out. So you really like to see that. So yeah, gonna break it all down today. And then as you mentioned, we'll have pretty much most everybody on that was a part of it. So it'll be fun. Yeah, and for me it'll be a nice change of pace talking about a mock draft instead of mocking my <laughs> Red Sox and Heim Bloom for their mishandling of Xander Bogarts that I've been doing the last two days. Cause we're recording this Friday midday, even though this won't be out until Monday, but to be a nice change of pace, get back into some prospect talk here. It was a really fun draft, but before we get into that, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross04, and our show's at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both Chris and I and our YouTube channel. And check out all the other great stuff that Fantrax and Fantrax HQ have to offer. 2023 best ball leagues are already open, and we have plenty of great co- content on HQ for whatever fantasy sports you are into. All right, so let's get into it here. I feel we'll just have a free-flowing conversation. We don't really have like a outline here, we'll strategy. We'll talk some you know, specific picks, our own teams, other picks we like from other teams, etc. I guess let's start kind of how we started the last episode with those three guests. Chris, heading into this, just knowing the you know how many sharp minds were in this draft, Chris had the fifth pick. What was your strategy for this? Well... In general, it's just kind of best prospect available. So typically, now I did place with some of those and it was kind of for my ranking sake. Like there were guys that I'd ranked higher that I just kind of want to see where they they fell. And I think I mentioned this when we talked about it or maybe even when I was talking with the Welsh about it. But, you know, it's not that I'm going to just go and change my rankings because a player went 50 spots after I have them ranked. There's a lot of different reasons people may draft someone, you know, where they do or not draft somebody. But it did, some of these players, it made me really think, it's like, okay, maybe I need to go back to the drawing board and like reevaluate like what I think about them and, you know, watch more film, et cetera. So in general, it was take best player available, but there were times there's these controversial prospects. 
I was like, okay, let's just kind of let them go and see where they fall. So picking out the five hole is interesting because it's we know who the one two are going to be pretty much consensusly. It's going to be Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll in one form or fashion, one way or another. And after that, it can go a lot of different directions. So currently in my rankings, I do have Jordan Walker at three, and I have Ellie De La Cruz at four. And I know James is high on Lawler, so it kind of fell as I expected it, and I was able to get Ellie, which kind of was the plan. And it's one of those things where that's a big tier in the first round especially. So looking at three through... For at least me personally, like three through nine is a big tier. And then after that, it's you can go a couple different directions as well. But my personal three through nine is Ellie De La Cruz, Jackson Churio, Anthony Volpe, Jordan Lawler, James Wood, and Miguel Vargas. And Drew Jones comes in right after that. And Jones could easily be in that tier. Just need to see him play. Like, obviously, the injury, right. I think he'll be fine. But I want to see what he can do over a full season. Talent level certainly there. Uh, but it does get... You know, more interesting after that. You can go a lot of different ways. So, yeah, in general, the strategy was just take best available with some caveats in there, just kind of playing around with some where the market values players. Because we're talking about a, a room with 14 really sharp prospect minds. I mean, you get a wide range of, of people, too. Like, you know, you have people that do it more like for real life stuff, like RM Layton, who does like real life prospect analysis and even. Jeff Ponce more now where he's at Baseball America. I know Jeff still does a lot of fantasy stuff as well, but you do have a lot of minds that have different thoughts on prospects, which is helpful and a lot of smart minds at that. So it was interesting to kind of see where people valued different players. And then also keeping in mind that it only takes one person being high on somebody to really see someone jump. And right. you know that may not be consensus. So I do think that you know Welsh doing his P180P mocks is helpful because you do see a more wide range of, of picks and where players are going. So yeah, fun fun exercise for sure. And that was just the general strategy. Yeah, my mine was pretty similar. Just and I and I think it doesn't matter like who's in your who's in your draft room, how many you know how many teams are in your league or whatever. I, I think take the best player available is always the strategy to go. I don't worry about position. Like, oh, my, you know, major league team might be a little shallow and, you know, at third base or, you know, second base, whatever. I, I don't care. You know, if if I'm not going to take a lesser player, that's why the beauty of that is you can make trades. You can trade from a area of strength or an area of depth and fill areas of need. That's how it works. That's the beauty of Dynasty. So, yeah, definitely just taking best player available. I didn't even take it. My, you and I were the last two to take a pitcher in this. Mm -hmm. I think, and we both did in, I know you, you went one, so I did mine in the round nine, near, near the end of round nine, and you were near the end of round 10 with yours. So we were the last two to take our pitcher. So obviously trying to focus on getting those, you know, the all round talents, you know, the good bats there. I went very outfield heavy. That's just how the board fell to me. I was at pick 12, and I always seem to get a, whether it's our annual one we do here or, you know, Welsh's P1 ADP mocks, whatever prospect mock I'm I always get like a back, you know, two or three pick in the round. I never get a high pick for whatever reason, <laughs> even though we use randomizers. This is always how it goes. Right. But picking 12, when we started, I was like, all right, yes, yeah, I kind of echo what Chris was saying about, you know, there's like that discernible second tier. And I was like, all right, there's a zero chance that, you know, anybody like James Wood or higher, like my top eight going eight, eight up to one is Wood, Lauer, Volpe, Churio, Ellie, Walker, Henderson, Carroll. I was like, all right, none of those guys are going to fall. But then like, all right, Manzar Manzardo went to Wheeler, to Drew Wheeler. You know, Vargas went to the Welsh, who I have, I have Vargas at 11. And then Tovar went to Aram Layton, who I have at nine. I'm like, ooh. Maybe James Woods falls to me, but no, Jeff Pond right before me. So I got Drew Jones, who's my number 10, like Chris said, definitely could be in that tier and, and probably will. You know, he's kind of very similar at the same time to, you know, what Cor Carroll was. See if we see that power, you know, that raw power tr translate into game power here. I think uh, Jones has one, one overall upside. Like it wouldn't surprise me. We, we did this next year and you know, he's number one. I, that would not surprise me whatsoever. So I started out with four outfielders. Went infield, a couple other outfielders, and then I kind of started going more random after that. But yeah, definitely very sharp room. I I knew Woods w wasn't going to fall. Was hoping Wood would fall. 
hoping wood would fall. That's a tongue twister. Knew he wouldn't, but you know, overall, you know, the first round outside of you know, we talked with Wheeler about it. I, we love Manzardo, but maybe that maybe was the biggest surprise to me in the first round. The rest of it, not really overly surprising. The entire first round went Gunnar Henderson. And okay, so, so here's the draft order: Brendan Tuma, Shelley Verstrait, James Anderson, Matt Thompson, Chris Clegg. Matt Heckman, Drew Wheeler, Jesse Roche, Chris Welsh, Aram Layton, Jeff Ponce, myself, Michael Halpern, and Michael Richards, 14 teams. First round went Gunnar Henderson, Corbin Carroll, Jordan Lawler, Jordan Walker, Elidio Cruz to Chris, Anthony Volpe, Kyle Manzardo, Jackson Churio, Miguel Vargas, Ezekiel Tovar, James Wood, Drew Jones, Jackson Holiday, and Royce Lewis. You know, outside of Manzardo, were there any other surprises to you in that first round, Chris? No, I mean, for the most part, it was pretty chalk. I mean, I guess at the back end is where it gets questionable, like as far as, like you said, after that tier. Like, I, I'd say Manzardo is, is close to my top 10, so that's not that off the wall. But after you get to 13 and 14, like, I could go a lot of different ways. So I'm not surprised to see Jackson Holiday bump up there. And maybe Royce Lewis, curious to hear michael richards take on that i know and it's, it's fair value and there's proximity there which does matter and there's upside it's just the health that with lewis i'd say maybe lewis was probably the biggest surprise of the first round but again going at 14 it it makes a little more sense yeah it's like after that you know top like 11 or 12 range for me then it's like you know i feel pretty good or even actually my top 13 i i think is uh, very locked in for me you know adding in 11 12 13 vargas grayson rodriguez and josh young and after that, like I could go a lot of different ways. Like I go, like, I have Kelzer, Manzardo, PCA, Norby, and I'm higher on some of those guys than most. But yeah, that definitely Royce Lewis is intriguing for sure. We saw what he's capable of in the past, and he had like, like a few years where it was like all right, injuries, poor performance, missed 2020 year, so that caused the value to drop a ton. Then he came back firing on all cylinders this past year. Got up to Minnesota. Then got you know obviously has the torn ACL and he'll be back at some point early on this year. But yeah, he, he was kind of fun to see where he went. Jackson Holiday, I keep seeing going pretty high, and I, I like Holiday a good amount. I I have Holiday this very second nineteenth in my rankings. Maybe that was you know a little higher than I thought he'd go. But at the same point, like after that top thirteen for me, it's another massive cluster. It's probably an even bigger cluster, and that's where we start seeing a lot of pitchers come into play is in that next cluster. And that's what we saw. I think it was exactly half the, I don't know, six of the 14 picks in the second round were pitchers. Starting with, right off the bat, first pick of the second round, Grayson Rodriguez went. And then you get Jason Dominguez, Colton Kowser went to me. Then we had three in a row, Andrew Painter, Yuri Perez, Ricky Tiedemann. And then Josh Young, who dropped a bit further than I thought. Francisco Alvarez, Taj Bradley, Jason Cassis, Kyle Harrison, and let's see, Oswald Peraza, Connor Norby, and Marcelo Mayer rounded up that second round here. Were there any pitchers that round that you were kind of surprised to go that high? I think the one that I was surprised to see go in that round, though I do like him a good amount, was Kyle Harrison. I thought he'd probably go more like in the third round or so. The other ones I'm not surprised at all, especially those first four. You know, Bradley maybe could have been a third rounder as well, though I do love Bradley, but Harrison did surprise me a little bit that he went that high. Yeah, you, you never kind of know, like especially after you get past those first three, even maybe four with Tiedemann. For me, I would say it's Painter and Grayson Rodriguez at one, two. You, I could include Yuri in that tier, but I do think that Painter and, and G-Rod are just a head above the others. So once you get past Yuri and Tiedemann, it just kind of comes down to strategy, I guess, at that point of when you want a pitcher. Because after that, it, it I won't say it gets dicey, but there is a drop-off, I think, after Harrison a little bit, even though I like and talk about Hunter Brown in the first pick of the third. I do like Hunter Brown a lot, but I guess looking at just like top five uh, value there, like as far as a starting pitcher, it makes sense. And actually, Harrison was the sixth pitcher off because I realized Tosh Bradley also went in the second as well. I know Matt's very high on Tosh Bradley. I like him as well. So those two, it's almost one of those cases where if you want a pitcher like early on and you want one of the higher end pitching prospects, you have to get him there. Yeah. Or you're not going to get him because the because the drop off is, I mean, like even though Daniel Espino in the late third has a lot of upside, like we still know nothing about his injury. So 
Like those are the safer bets after those top four. So it does make a little more sense, I guess, that they went that way. Yeah. But I could go, you know, either way on that. And and just to kind of go with your point there, after having six arms go in the second round, there were four combined in the next two rounds, and one of those being Kodai Senga in the fourth round. So if you, I don't know if you want to include him as a prospect, we did for this. But if you want just like minor league prospects, only three went. And that was, as Chris mentioned, Hunter Brown, first pick of the third round. Espino went second, the last pick of the third round to Michael Halpern, who then double-tapped arms and went Tink Hens for the second pick of the fourth round. Yeah, Espino definitely has the upside to be in that second tier, and he has shown that. But, yeah, I it's it's weird that we just haven't heard really anything, not even like a small little you know murmur about, like, what exactly was the extent of his injury? How is he doing now? Is he going to be ready for spring training? Is he going to be full go in 2023? None of that's really been cleared up. And that's that's concerning. You know, Cleveland's playing it very close to the vest on that. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'd probably take that as more of a bad thing. You figured if there was something positive to report, they would have reported it. But yeah, that was, you know, very, still very concerning with Espino. That's why, you know, I, I was reluctant to move him down my rankings because I loved him. I still do. I think he's a great buy low right now in Dynasty Leagues. But yeah, he had to drop down from that second tier. And I, I think, I don't think he's in the third tier. He's kind of like in a, you know, weird like middle ground where there's not a lot of arms in my rankings. So kind of in a tier by himself or, you know, maybe you can put Tink Hens in there, maybe, maybe a very small third tier, so to speak. But, yeah, I think he was a good value there still to go into help. Yeah, with, with Harrison, I guess I like Harrison a lot. I saw him pitch this past August against Tiedemann in Tiedemann's double-A debut. I just wonder, Harrison screams Robbie Wright 2.0 to me. Just screams it at the top of his lungs, like from the mountaintop in one of those like York Peppermint Patty commercials. He is like, there's a lot of similarities, like great secondaries. And if he got ahead, if he got ahead in the count, he it was hard for hitters to like you know do anything off of him when he once he got into the the slider and the changeup the fastball though it has good velocity can't you know was a bit hittable and you saw New, New Hampshire hitters real and that wasn't even a good lineup the best hitter in that lineup was you know wasn't even playing that day Addison Barker and Aravis Martinez the other you know quote unquote good ish hitter in that lineup who's I think is still overrated. Uh, so that lineup wasn't even that good, and they were just hunting out fastballs early in the count because they knew that if he got 0-1, 0-2, 1-2, whatever, that he was going to get into those, the slider and the changeup, and then it would be a bad time for them. So hittable fastball, not not terrible fastball by any means, but that's one if he's just to be kind of like Robbie Ray. A ton of strikeouts. You know, maybe the whips would be a little higher than you'd like, but, you know, not terrible, like a one two five whip or something like that. So maybe the ratios won't be as good as you'll see from like a Taj Bradley, so to speak, or even like a Hunter Brown, but just those elite level strikeouts. Like he had a near 40% K rate. I think he might have led the minor leagues in strikeouts last year. It was one of the top ones. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure he did last year. All right. Third round here. A lot of bats outside of those two arms he mentioned. So third round went Hunter Brown, Curtis Mead, Matt Mervis went. So that's pick what? 31 overall to James Anderson, Evan Carter. Chris went, Chris broke my heart. I was hoping he would, this guy would fall, but Chris went Andy Rodriguez. No surprise on it. You love Andy as well. Novi Marte, Logan O'Hoppy, Marco Luciano, Zach Veen, Brett Beatty, Termar Johnson. I went Pete Crow Armstrong. And then Daniel Espino, Mason Wynn rounded up the third round. Let's got to group the fourth round in here. Fourth round went Yuri, not Yuri, Sturry Ruiz, Tink Hens. I went Elijah Green, Howard Soderstrom, Diego Cartea, Kodai Senga. Robert Hassel III, Masataka Yoshida, the newest Red Sox, and he was not signed at that point in time. Austin Wells, Chris went Oscar Colos, Jackson Merrill, Gavin Williams, Bo Naylor, and Cam Collier rounded up round four. So first four picks for Chris, Ellie De La Cruz, Tristan Cassis, Andy Rodriguez, Oscar Colas. For me, all outfielders, Drew Jones, Colton Kowser, Pete Crow Armstrong, and Elijah Green. After those first four rounds, Chris, you know, how happy were you were you with the the foursome that you got there? Pretty solid overall. Like I was certainly happy with how it turned out. I mean, Cassis is, you know, he's going to contribute soon. So Ellie's got the upside. Indy, I've got ranked higher than this, so that that felt good to get him. Same at thirty three. 
I think that, and I know they've come out and said that Indy's not going to be the starting catcher to out of spring training, but he is still going to get time next year. And he just, he's so good. Like everywhere he is, he's hit. He, he makes teams better. Like they, there's an awesome video by the pirates. I tweeted out with my pirates top 10 prospect rankings. It's a phenomenal video about Indy and his path to, to where he is now. And then Colas, I think still underrated. He's could be a starting outfielder for the White Sox right away. And he's got, you know, big power. He's going to hit for solid average. I think his, his average may be a little fool's gold. Like he hit for 300. That's not really who he is, but even if he's a 270 hitter with 30 bombs, like that's a, that's a pretty good spot. Like he's got that kind of power for sure. He doesn't, I mean, his splits are good against lefties as well. So things you really like to see. And so, yeah, I'm pretty happy with those four and man, Elijah Green falling in the fourth round to you. Like that's, that's a good feeling for me. I know there's question marks about Elijah Green still, but the talent and the upside is just so immense to get at pick 45. Oh, absolutely. Like I was ecstatic. With, with my first four, because I have all four of these guys in my top 20. I have Drew Jones. Let me switch over to my ranking side here. Drew Jones at 10. And then I went Colton Cowser, who I have at 14. Pete Crow Armstrong, I have at 16. And Elijah Green, I have at 18. It's kind of right in a row, every, every other ranking spot there. Yeah, and obviously with Elijah Green, I'll talk about PCA as well. With Green, obviously there's, you know, some swing and miss issues that need to be corrected. You know, the floor might be a little bit lower, but at the same time, m- many, many, many evaluators, so many evaluators have said that I've seen him live and do this full time for a living, that he has some of the best tools that they'd ever seen. And this wasn't like people like me and Chris's age, you know, 29, 30, 31 years old. Like These were like people that have been doing it for a long time and that are very knowledgeable baseball minds. I've seen so many players and forgotten more about baseball than most of us will ever know some of the best tools that they've ever seen. Like this is a potential like 70 power, 70 speed type of guy. And then, you know, good and good defensive outfielder as well. I know it doesn't matter, but it just shows the elite upside where he could easily be, a, you know, fast forward 12 months, do this again next, you know, November, December. He could easily be top five. It wouldn't surprise me. We'll see how the hit tool comes along, see how the K rates, you know, where that's at, how much swing and misses there, if he can curb that a little bit, but, yeah, the upside is immense. And then kind of on the other end of the spectrum, you know, the upside might not be elite with PCA, but I feel that he's still pretty underrated here. I'm not sure why he fell to where he is because he's got the good floor, I think, here with, you know, solid upside. Like I said, not elite, but got the hit, you know, solid hit tool, good speed, you know, decent defender as well. Like last year, he hit 312, 520. With 46 extra base hits, 16 home runs, 32 steals. I think he could be like a 15, you know, to 18 homer type and 25 plus steals with a, you know, 28 run score. He's a top of the order type of guy. Good average, good OBP. I mean, might not be the, you know, the sexy profile, but I think he's very underrated. Still only is he 21 yet. No, still he'll be, won't be 21 until near the start of the next season. Probably starts at double A next year. Yeah, a lot to like there. So I'm surprised. Maybe I do have him a little bit higher than most, but I was surprised that he fell as far as he did. But yeah, I was very happy with with my first four picks for sure. Now, Chris, were there any any surprises to you? Looking at the first four rounds in general, were there any surprises to you with maybe you know how things played out? A player going higher than you thought, lower than you thought? Was there any anything that stands out to you? Huh. So. Yeah, I mean, Estre Ruiz is probably higher than I'd like at 43, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ruiz is one that I've really struggled where to value. Like, I don't know. I still don't know if he's an everyday player, and that's part of my concern. I mean, maybe he goes and plays second base with Milwaukee. I That outfield's so crowded. It was an interesting trade for them to to take him on with their depth they have in the minors. So... Ruiz is one that I just really struggle to value. And I'm curious, like, he's one where I would just, like, let him fall and see where he goes, honestly. Yeah. Because I really have no clue. I'm just going to look where I have in my rankings. And I've probably moved him more than anybody else. Same here. I have him at 62, but I last had him at 107. So it's just like, I don't know what in the world to do with him. Maybe 62 is even high. I'm going to look up where he went 
in my P180P mock real quick. But yeah, that's, I, I don't know. I wish I had a better answer about like Ruiz. Like, who is he? Right. What will he be? Because I have absolutely just no <laughs> idea what to do with him. But as I'm looking at that, man, some of the proximity guys pushed up. I mean, Mervis went really high. Hunter Brown went really high. I think those are fair based on if you're drafting a team of prospects that's going to help you compete soon. Brett Beatty, too. He went a bit. I like Brett Beatty. I think we both do. But he went He went a bit higher. And I, I think he'd go third rounds. That's pick, what, 38 overall? I think that was yep. a, a little higher than I thought he'd go. Yep, that was a, I mean, he's a solid, I don't know, like, are the Mets just going to keep buying players so, like, he never gets his chance? Like, that's my concern that, with him. That could be. It's like the higher-end version of what the Rockies do. The Rockies buy people to block, but it's like they buy crap people. Mets right. actually buy good players, like, the, you know, to, to bring in. But, yeah, it's, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I, I could. I don't think Cohen's done. He's spending, like, a drunken sailor right now. And <laughs> they're already, like, pushing a... So what's the payroll? 300 and whatever at this point, plus the 60 whatever million dollar tax they'll have to pay at right now. So they're probably pushing like 400 million overall oh, yeah. once you add that in, which is insane compared to like Oakland, who's like, you can't, they, they're not paying anybody. Yeah. They're, they're pay the tax that the Mets are paying currently is more than four teams' payrolls last year. So, <laughs> yeah, not surprising. Okay. So Ruiz went 54 in my, P180P. All right, so he went Washington. He went I mean, a little lower, but 43 here. So, yeah, uh, no knock on that. I just have no clue what to do with him personally. So, no, I, I'm right there with you. Plus, all the outfielders in that, or obviously they just brought in Winker, though he might be more of a DH than an outfielder. But yeah, just I, I feel like Ruiz might be the odd man out. I think that the other, like you know, with with Weimer and Sal Frelick, and obviously Churio is a little bit behind developmentally, but he's he's charging very quickly. I just feel like Ruiz is, might be the guy that you know is the odd man out. Maybe you know there's another trade. I think Milwaukee's gonna be make, make him a lot more moves. Maybe you see him traded for I, I don't know what, but just just dealt before the start of the season to a more you know better opportunity for him playing wise. We'll see, but yeah, that one was a little bit high for me. You know, there weren't, it's, it's funny, like there weren't any major surprises. You know, like, some guys went a little higher than, you know, I have them, obviously. Like, I, Alvarez went a bit higher than I have him. You know, Matt Mervis, Hunter Brown. Um, it's, I loved getting the values where I got them with, with PCA and Green. I was surprised that both of them fell to where they did. Uh, but outside of that, you know, Hassel, too. Like, he, Hassel fell to the fourth round, which was picked. That's about pick 48, 49 or so. Did you think, where did you think Hassel would fall to? Did you, were you surprised he fell that far? Or do you think he'd go maybe around sooner than that? No, I mean, I'm not surprised. He's one I just kind of let float out there for a little bit because I do yeah. have him. I've ranked 41, so I didn't let him float that far. But I was curious. Like, I was like, where will he end up? There's just so much negative talk about Hassel right now. And it's just, just crapping on him and everybody saying, get out, like, sell while you can. I, I'm just not sure that's the case. I think the expectations are just need to be adjusted a little bit. Yeah. And not so much to sell. But again, I've said this and I'll say it again. Even if he ends up a 10 to 15 home run bat, they can steal 25 to 30 bases and hit for a good average. That sounds a lot like Whit Merrifield to me. And we drafted Whit Merrifield very high in redraft leagues for a couple years. So again, to me, it's like I, I'm not going to just like go crap on him and, and, sell for anything at this point i yeah. think that's a huge mistake personally oh absolutely this is not the time to sell robert hassel whenever you know a prospect with good pedigree that's promo in the past has is you know has a bad season so to speak or a bad stretch that is never the time to sell that, that is not a method for success if anything i say he's a buy right now and yeah i agree expectations have to be adjusted he's not you know a top 10 guy but I think there's still a, a good ROI opportunity here for where his price is. Like you said, he's one of the guys that get shit on the most right now. So I do think you can get him for a solid value. And I, I think I think he's a bounce back. To what degree? I don't know. I still think he's going to be a, a pretty good prospect, pretty good major league player. Just maybe not, not a star. But let's go ahead and take a quick break, though. We'll, we'll come back on the other side and talk the rest of the draft. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
All right, welcome back from the break. Let's, let's go a little quicker here. We spent a lot of time at the top of the draft. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of fun players to talk about there with, with the strategy talk as well. So we'll go a little bit quicker here. So the next uh, next two rounds here went Sedan Raffaella, Will Brennan, Sal Frelick, Cooper. Chris, how do we say Cooper's last name again? Jerpy. Jerpy, thank you. So this basically ignore <laughs> the H. I just wanted to say it right. I, I feel like I say it differently every time. Cooper Jerpy. Harry Ford, Brendan Fat, Emmanuel Rodriguez, Hayden Wesneski, and Harry Ford went to Chris. Stop, stop taking my catches. I like Chris. <laughs> you know I'm a Harry Ford guy. He keeps taking all my catches. I don't like it. It's it's funny. We we gave we were kind of poking fun at Drew Wheel for all the catches he took. You, you took three in the first nine rounds too, so you were a little whoops. Catcher. That was you know you didn't take any any other catcher the rest of the way, but so you had three in the first nine as well. So that's the last track. Oh, it's Harry Ford, Brendan Fat, Emmanuel Rodriguez, Hayden Wesneski. Zach Neto, Brooks Lee, so back-to-back FYPD guys there. Colson Montgomery, I took Edward Julian, and then George Valera, Brendan Davis rounded out the fifth round. Sixth round, Luis Matos, Luis Angel Acuna, Kevin Alcon to me, Brayon Rocio, Gavin Stone, Gabriel Gonzalez, Bobby Miller, Ken Waldachuk, Joey Weimer went to Matt Heckman, and that was one where, well, here, let me go the rest of the round first. Aaron Zavala, Kobe Mayo, Zavala was to Chris. Nick York, Christian Encarnacion Strand, and Jordan Westbrook. Joey Weimer was one that, that's the one I tried to get too cute with. And I mentioned this last episode as well. Like He was one where I have him ranked in the 30s. I know I'm I'm pretty sure I'm the highest on him in the industry in terms of ranking-wise. But he was one where, all right, let's see how far he falls. And but if he had gotten back around to me in the seventh round, which I was still 20-ish picks away, I definitely would have taken him because at that point I would have taken him over like, you know, Canario, Junior Camonero, et cetera. So I took the next couple of rounds. So that was one I, that stung. Matt Heckman got him yeah, in the sixth round. But kind of a common theme in these two rounds were, you know, major league ready pitchers. There were six of them that went. Cooper Jerby, maybe he's the least major league ready, but I think he's the one that still maybe even debuts later this year in 2023. But then Brendan Fat, Wesneski, Waldachuk, Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, and you know all those guys. Five of those guys definitely debut this year. You know, Fat and Fat and Wesneski and Waldachuk already did. Miller and Stone probably will at some point early in the year. Jerpy maybe later in the year, if not early 2024. Were you surprised at all to see kind of these proximity guys pushed up a little bit? And I don't think Miller and Stone were necessarily pushed up. I think they're pretty much where I have them ranking-wise. But the other four, I think, got maybe pushed up a little bit from where their kind of consensus rankings are. Does that surprise you at all? Not in particular. I think the proximity value for pitchers is valued more than ever just because the fact that pitching prospects have just been brutally bad and falling off. And so you'd rather bank on the guys that are close, I guess. So, you know, the Waldachuk and, and Wes Nesky being pushed up, I guess, are... The, the bigger surprises of those. But again, it's looking at getting your value sooner and knowing that those guys have already pitched in the majors. And that's really the the thing where it's like, okay, well, we know what they can do and the fact that they are going to be pitching, hopefully no injures, injuries occur. Meanwhile, the prospects like we just know less about. So I guess that's the the question mark there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And then that, that trend kind of continued for, you know, the next couple of rounds, because you get next round, Shelly took Tanner Bibby. We got Dre Jameson going to James Anderson. And then, you know, Heckman took Mick Abel, but obviously the upside is there. And you get Wilmer Frez went to Matt Heckman as well in round eight and Cody Morris. So, and then Max Meyer went to Michael Richards. So obviously he's injured, but debuted last year as well. So there's kind of a, a lot of, you know, major league ready arms. You can even go one round further in the ninth round. Luis Ortiz went to James Henderson, Cade Cavalli to Jesse Roche, uh, Jake Etter, and went to Aram Layton. And I took Bryce Miller, who maybe debuts later this year, but that was my my first arm there. But we're not gonna go like pick by pick the rest of the way. We'll kind of just kind of look at some trends and our own picks here. We already went through our first four round picks here, or really our first six rounds, but the rest of the top ten rounds for Chris. You went Harry Ford in round five, Aaron Zavala round six, Spencer Jones round seven, Anthony Gutierrez, Kevin Parada, Dylan Lesko, 
in round 10. The rest of my top 10 rounds were Edward Julian in the fifth, then Kevin Alcantara, Alexander Canario, Junior Camonero, Bryce Miller, and Brady House in there. The one out of there that I, you know, well, I like the talent I could have let fall a bit further, what I think was Canario. So I, I love the power speed blend hit tool. You know, maybe he's not more than like a 250 hitter, but that power speed blend could be very nice, especially in Wrigley Field. But he's coming off that really gruesome injury in, you know, out in Arizona this past fall or, you know, about a month or two ago. So he might miss, you know, first month or two of the season. So I think that pushed him down or could have pushed him down a bit, a bit further. So I was like the one that I kind of maybe had a, a bit of regret about. And that was in round seven. You know, maybe I could have gone, you know, like Edwin Arroyo was on the guy I was debating there who went two picks later. Michael Bush, Gavin Cross, who I'm very high on, not just because of the last name. Those are some other <laughs> some other ones I was kind of looking at in that range that I probably should have went instead. With your first, just your first 10 in general, did you have any picks like that where you were like, eh, maybe I could have let that guy fall a bit further? I wonder about Anthony Gutierrez. He was one where I just debated letting him go and seeing because like I think he's one that could take off, but it's kind of uncertain where he would have gone. And I did want him on the team. So for that reason, I, I was like, okay, I need to just get him here at 108. And but I wonder where he would have gone. Like, is he a top fifty or, or top one fifty? I don't I don't know. Kevin Parada fell like much further than I have him ranked. And Dylan Lesko's pretty close to where I had him ranked. So I guess Lesko's one that was curious like where his value would end up. But I think Lesko his his just talent level is just immense. And if he didn't have Tommy John this year, then he may be valued higher. It's probably a good thing that he went ahead and had it out of the way. He may pitch towards the end of next season, honestly. We'll, we'll have to see about that. But yeah, I guess the one would say like Gutierrez, like just seeing where he would have fallen to. Yeah, that's kind of the one I was looking at for you as well. I like Gutierrez a lot too, but yeah, it's still kind of a, I think there's probably, you'll see a wide range of rankings on, on Gutierrez for right now, but yeah, definitely the upside, the talent, the skills are definitely there. Are you, you know, obviously we, I mentioned earlier that you and I were the last two to take our first pitcher, me with Bryce Miller in round nine, end of round nine, and you in, with Dylan Lesko that you just mentioned. And overall you went, let's see, five pitchers total. Also got Robert Gasser in the 12th, Quinn Priester in 16th, Owen Murphy in the 17th, and Ben Brown in the 19th. I ended up with just three. I also went Jackson Job in the 12th and Jared Schuster in the 18th. So I might have had the least amount of pitchers total. I'd have to like look over the board. It kind of looks like it with three, and you had five. Were you okay though with waiting that long? Obviously, I you know we in the past you and I have stressed, you know, kind of focusing on hitting, you know, more so than pitching with your, you know, prospect pool in your dynasty league. But were you kind of happy with how your pitching turned out in this mock draft? Yeah, I mean, any of those guys can make a jump. I like Gasser a lot. I think Gasser's already pushing top one hundred. Let's go. We mentioned the upside, and then you drop down even further. Like, seems like Priester fell a bit, and I, I get it. I mean, Priester's not like super flashy, but I think Priester's still a a starting pitcher long term so that a pick that i liked at 220 owen murphy's got some upside where he went and then ben brown's another one where ben brown may not even been picked in this draft but i do like the upside so to get five pitchers that late with the floor and even like i would say gasser has floor and upside i would say Priester has a decent floor and then some upside with lesko and murphy and brown I, I really like how it turned out. And I think that's the thing you can wait on pitching prospects and get good ones. Yeah. Especially knowing like every year, like there's pitching prospects that make a huge jump and you don't have to pay up for them. You just, tr you pick them up on the free agent wire basically and just enroll with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just and take a look at like my first pitching prospect. I took Bryce Miller. Like he jumped a lot in rankings this year. I have him as a back end top 100 guy. Maybe I'm a little higher th than the consensus on Miller, but. Love the upside there, and Seattle's done a pretty good job with player development over the last you know handful of years. So I felt fine with that. Obviously, Job has a ton of upside, still very raw, but and I do I do have a little bit of questions about Detroit and their player development, but definitely love the upside with Jackson Job and, and Schuster. I think is he just screams solid mid rotation arm to me. I don't, I don't know if you feel any different about Schuster being a Braves fan, but I think you know this. 
not like the sexy profile. I don't think he's like a frontline guy, but I don't think he's a back end guy either. I think he could be a solid like SP3, SP4, kind of just, you know, turning out some pretty solid years year after year. But what, what are your thoughts on Schuster? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I think that it's very, it seems very much like that he's going to be, get some time in the rotation sooner than later. And he has a good chance to stick. I mean, we've looked at how the Braves have done with developing these pitching prospects and they've done extremely well. And I think that Schuster, while he doesn't possess the upside, I still think that he has enough floor to be in a good enough arsenal to be a starting pitcher, like an SP4 probably in that rotation. So, and I wouldn't be surprised if it comes sooner than later, honestly. Yeah. And obviously Atlanta's done a phenomenal job developing arms over the last half decade or more. So God, I feel good about that as well. One of my picks I really liked in that, in that last you know five rounds that we just talked about, I love getting Junior Cabanero where I got him. Still very underrated, I think. He's a guy that has a lot of breakout appeal, very good all-around skill set there, and, and still a bit underrated because he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have the huge prospect name yet, but he's a guy that I think could be, you know, where did I get him? So that was round eight, so we're talking pick 101. I think you could easily cut that number in half for him. I think he could be a top 50 pick in this particular mock draft we do next year. So I'd like to get in Camarero there. Uh, probably, that's probably my favorite pick in that set of five. All right, next kind of set of five picks for both Chris and I. Rounds 11 through 15. Chris went Bryce Terang, who I know we he, he's talked about a couple of times recently on this podcast. Robert Gasser. Justin Henry Malloy, who was on Atlanta at that current point in time, now on Detroit. Benny Montgomery and Justin Crawford. I went with Willis Jorge, who I love a lot. Big breakout name. Wrote about him recently on Fantex HQ. In the 11th, Jackson Job, James Outman, Cade Marlowe, and Roderick Arias. One thing, one player from your, that five for you, Chris, I wanted to bring up that you just tweeted about the other day. And wrote about on HQ as well. I believe you did. Benny Montgomery. You mentioned the, the swing change there. Obviously, the upside is pretty huge with him. But he was one of like those multi-sport guys in high school that started focusing on baseball solely a little bit later than you know most top draft picks do. But the upside huge. Course field effect you know, plays in as well. And the fact that he made that you know the swing change, which I'll let you speak to here now, was very encouraging. I think. Yeah. So it's. Interesting. It's a small thing, but it really comes within his setup more than everything. Like he has a really, he had a really big hitch, like in his load. Like you can still see he has that hitch. Like he, one has his hands a little bit higher than he did, which is interesting to see. And then on the load, when we look at the like leg kick per se, he's kind of not going as low with his hands as he was. And, you know, People have kind of people kind of came at that and were like, "Oh, this is he's not doing anything different." But the bat's significantly higher pre pitch, like, and then when you get to the load, his hands are in a much better place to hit the ball. Like he get pretty, he was getting pretty low, like his hands dropping pretty significantly, like a like a Sammy Sosa type pump. Honestly, like think about that. Like you can see it. Like if you go slow, and I try to pause the video at, at certain points, and yes, it's still there. But his bat is going, his bat early in the season was pretty much like a straight vertical line up and down and even tilted more towards the first base side, like than up and down. But now his bat stays a little bit closer to his shoulder. And that seems pretty significant to me because it's easier to get the bat back on plane going from there than it was when the bat straight up and down. Now you can make that work, but looking at the swing difference, like his hands are just in a much better place. And yes, people were like, oh, well, the pitches are totally different. Doesn't matter. It Pre-pitch is irrelevant, it, whether it's a slider down in a way that he's swinging and missing or a pitch up in the zone. When we're talking about pre-pitch stuff, and that's what we're looking at with Benny Montgomery, and just everything just looks so much cleaner. And it's less just hand movement. There's less going on in the swing, which I think is going to significantly help him. Post July 1st, he slashed the 323, and this has also come back from injury, 323, 408, 516. He had an undisclosed injury, which I think probably zapped some power. Just, just a total shot in the dark, because I don't know what the injury was. They never said. 
but he hit four home runs after that, which isn't a lot, but is he put exit velos up like north of 114, which is pretty substantial. And he's a really good runner as well, he's gonna steal bases. So I like Benny Montgomery to really take off and be probably an easy top 100, top 75 prospect pretty soon next season. Yeah, no, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And but I never thought I'd hear a Sammy Sosa name drop on this podcast, <laughs> which I love as I was a big Sosa guy. Yeah. And obviously was uh, was heartbroken when you know, all that crap came out yeah. about him with the steroids so. and cork, cork bat. And, but anyway, I love Sosa as a kid. But yeah, love of Montgomery always have since the draft. He was a, a high FYPD guy for me in, in that particular draft class. And, you know, the K rate's still a bit high. And I just put up the stats from that same period that Chris has mentioned. And the K rate was still, you know, a little bit higher, twenty about 27% or so. But, you know, the walk rate's starting to tick up a bit there. It has the power speed. And I think you get a full year of Benny Montgomery in 2023, you know, without hopefully no injury in, in the middle of the year, which costs him, you know, a roughly, I don't know, a month and a half, two months or so of time that you can see a big, big jump in rankings for him too. So I think he's a guy that could be, you know, Adel Amador is like, you know, close to a top 50 name right now. I think Montgomery is going to be just as high, maybe even higher. I like the upside of Montgomery more than Amador, but obviously Amador has had more success right now and hasn't been injured. So he's got the higher ranking, but I think Montgomery could pass him by the end, end of the year. Some picks of mine I wanted to highlight here real quick was kind of back to back pick obviously and carlos jorge i mentioned you can read my thoughts over on hq in my nl central breakouts i think he's very underrated got has all the tools to be top 50 got that great ballpark awaiting him but i want to go a little bit with the two quote-unquote older guys that i took here james outman and Cade marlowe and i actually had a conversation earlier this morning with somebody on twitter about marlowe and i have marlowe as a back and top 100 guy and i'm sure i'm probably the highest around with the, my marlowe ranking and yeah, he's 25 right now. I get it. But I think people are just writing him off because he's 25. When he is, I think, was one of only a few prospects in baseball to go 20-20 each the last two years. And I think it's an above average power, above average speed profile. Where does he fit in with Seattle? Not a clue. You know, I don't know where he fits in. But again, that's another thing that I don't worry about. Like injuries happen. Trades happen. That's I just don't necessarily worry about, you know, to a degree, like Ruiz, sure, because he's already up. But it's not like Marlowe's going to debut like on opening day, right? He's, he's probably not maybe later, second half next year. A lot can happen in half a season. Even just half a season, a lot can happen. So the talent's there. Maybe I'm a little bit high on him, sure. But I think he's definitely being very, very underrated in prospect wor- the prospect world. I got him with my last pick of Welsh's P180P box. So pick, I don't know, 180-something, whatever that turned out to be. So like him a lot. And then James Outman, again, a little bit older, not quite as old as Marlowe, but he's got good power, can hit for a decent enough average, a little bit higher K rate, but I think he could be like a 260-ish guy, 25 home runs and like 10 steals. That's definitely possible there. But again, where does he fit in with the Dodgers play-ins? Are they going to sign an outfielder to, you know, to kind of fill Bellinger's void? Does he get enough playing time? We'll see. But I liked my uh, Outman and Marlowe picks a good amount there. Uh Next, uh, our last set of five for each of us. Or before we go, any other picks from that five you wanted to highlight of yours, Chris? No, no, I think the the Benny one was worth highlighting for sure. Bryce Terang, I've, I've spoken a lot about him, and it yeah. seems even more likely at this point he's going to get playing time, which is is pretty huge. So I'd love to see that. And then, yeah, with your five, I, I think that you got a good mix of upside in there. Plus, I think Marlowe's underrated and, and Outman. Like, if Outman gets some time, then, you know, that would be phenomenal to, to see like what he could do yeah it, it was a it was a fun little group of five i had kind of the two younger or should be three younger upside kind of breakout potential guys with, with jorge jackson job and roderick arias and then the two like older guys that have produced and are a bit undervalued but have some proximity too with with marlo and outman so that was a fun little group for me personally all right last set of five for chris Knight as we round up the show here Round 16 through 20, Chris went Quinn Priester, Owen Murphy, Averson Ortega, Ben Brown, and Tyler Locklear. And I went to where am I? Edison Polino, Matt Gorski. Love Matt Gorski. He's a personal favorite of mine. Jared Schuster, Brock Jones, and Jordan Beck. A couple FYPD guys to round it out. 
Anything, uh, anybody you want to get into from your final five picks there, Chris? I'll just hit on Locklear really quick because I do think that he's an absolute stud and highly underrated FYPD player. Just looking at the profile of Locklear, it, it, it's similar to Ivan Melendez without maybe the power, but the difference is that Melendez played at a big school against better competition. 100% give him credit for that. But Locklear even came on strong like when he debuted. He was phenomenal this year in his, his debut in, in short season. But in college, you look at just what he did across the board, and numbers just better than Jacob Berry, to be honest. And to me, like they're very similar in the sense that, one, well, Berry played against leaded competition, so we've got to give him that credit. But when we look at Locklear and Berry, like, one, they're – not great at a position. Like they don't have a great position. Barry doesn't have a position. Locklear's first base. And neither of them have a true position. But you look at what they've done, and I think there's a lot of similarities. But Locklear hits the ball harder than Barry. And that's really fun to see. And even Mason McCray put something out about against both of them against top 50 ranked opponents. Just given that people were kind of crapping on Locklear playing at VCU and not playing against elite competition. And you know what? He's been really good against top 50 opponents, which does give me some peace of mind because we always wonder, like, how are those guys going to perform? But then again, you look at Chase DeLauder, who also played at a smaller school and is a top you know, prospect in FYPDs. So, you know, to be honest, like Locklear has some similarities in the profile to like Kyle Manzardo. And I'm not saying he's going to make that jump, but there are some similarities that will be interesting to follow this year if he can make that jump. So who knows how it plays out, but I do like Tyler Locklear a lot. And I'll plan on scooping him up really late in a lot of FYPDs. Yeah, I, I think it, I'm going to be doing the same thing here. There's a, a lot of good stuff there with, with Tyler Locklear. I liked your last five rounds a good amount, obviously. I've, I've seen Priester twice now, once in season, and then once we, uh, we saw him out in the AFL. I think he's a solid mid-rotation arm there. The still gets a bit undervalued, so... I love you getting him in the 16th round there. So that's what pick, uh, where are we at? Like, that's like 180, so, someone range. Owen Murphy obviously has a good upside there. Ortega as well. Ben Brown, I love. He's one of my favorite Cubs arms behind Wesneski. Then Locklear, like you mentioned. So I, I like your last five a lot. My, my five there, Polino, nice little breakout. Getting of a breakout season for him with the Red Sox. Definitely has some upside to rise even higher up rankings. Gorski is just kind of one of those weird guys. There's some flaws there in the profile. But, you know, the performance has been pretty solid. He's got good good power. He's got an absolute cannon for an outfield arm. I don't know if you remember me mentioning this on an episode, you know, months ago after I saw him in July or August, something like that. He threw out three guys from left field in the first four innings. I think it was it was two at second base and one at the plate. I forget what the kind of combination was, but still, he threw out three guys from left field in the first four innings. It was absolutely insane. Nice little power speed blend with, with him as well. See how he kind of hit tooled with him, but I think he's one that gets under a bit, a bit underrated as well. And then Brock Jones, I think, is one of the more underrated guys for FYPD. Good power speed blend with the Stanford there. Some good success in Stanford in, in the Pac-10 or is it Pac-12 now or Pac-10? I can't keep Pac track. 12, yeah. 12 yet. Conferences every all the time i know right even though it's like the numbers never line up like, like the big 10 will have like 15 teams it's like it never lines up numbers wise like uh what was it boise state's in like the big east like are, are they in the big east now or what I have, no i don't no, know it's a new i have no idea it yeah and i think football does it's even worse than than, yeah. than basketball or baseball in terms of just like the shifting and having it make no sense yeah, and but. they can play in different conferences for like so they, the football, they can be in a different conference than basketball or baseball. It's really dumb. That makes zero sense. Yeah. Like if you're in the Big East for you know basketball, you should be there for football and you know baseball and, and whatever else too. It's it, yeah, it's Agreed. very, very odd. But anyway, but yeah, Jones, I think it's just a, a, a nice power speed blend. You know, hit tool maybe lags behind a little bit, but I think it could still be solid enough. So he's he's been a, a popular, or he's going to be a popular FYPD target for me. All right, Chris, to round out the show, one last fun little question to close it out. If you could pick one player from the last five rounds of this draft that we did not take personally, that you think that you could see jumping into the top five rounds when we do this draft next offseason, a year from now, who would that one, or maybe there's multiple, but who would that like one or two players be? 
Yeah, that's a fun thing to think about. I have my, the, I have a player that first came to mind, and that's Jose Gerardo with yep. the Mets. Or not the Mets, the Marlins. I don't know why I said Mets, but he's with the Marlins. <laughs> I guess everybody's with the Mets now, so that's where my mind was. So that was the first player that came to mind. I am scanning over the board just to double-check that. I didn't miss anybody there. Probably would go with Gerardo and maybe the pick before him, which is interesting, Kiner Delgado, who was really good in the DSL this year. Yep. It'd be, he's going to have to grow and add a little power. But if he does, then he could be just insanely good. So either of those, I, I really like to make jumps. Yeah, that was Gerardo's one of the names that kind of caught my eye too. I can see Ivan Melendez making a jump. He definitely has the the power. And you and I both wrote him up as our breakout prospect from the Diamondbacks in the NLS. So double endorsement there on Ivan Melendez from both of us. Uh, there was a lot of pitchers taken. Everybody kind of getting their pitching fix in this last few rounds here. Another name that I like a good amount that I think a job of is Jonathan Mejia, who went to Matt Thompson in the 16th round. I think he's got some upside to become a top 100 prospect this upcoming year. Some other ones here, like Sterling Thompson has a lot of upside. I don't know how it'll play out, but he, he got some upside there. Uh, I like, you know, I don't know. Christian Robinson's back here too. Yeah, he was one I thought about at least. Yeah, I I don't know. I just don't know. We, we haven't seen him play since 2019. Like, let's put it this way: we have seen him play since before COVID. That's just so long ago now. That's such a huge, huge gap in developmental time timeline that I just don't know what he's, he looks like now. So I don't know. He could make a huge jump back up, or this could be the you know the downfall with missing all that time. Who knows? But Obviously, a name to kind of keep in mind there. I don't know about top five round. Will Wagner, I think, could take another hit. I think he's under like Wagner. Just, just underrated. I don't know if he's you know fits this question actually, but just I, I wanted to just mention his name. Underrated. I, yeah, Gerardo is another name I you know, thought of here. Delgado definitely has that upside as well. Try to see if there's any any other names here, real quick. I think Jason Churio is intriguing as well. I don't know if he'll make that big of a jump, but Michael Royal, maybe Matt Allen. A lot of guys that uh, Michael Richard took in the last few rounds are pretty intriguing. A lot of upside there. But yeah, it was a really fun draft. I think I'm happy with how my team turned out. So maybe, maybe I could have gotten a little bit more pitching than I did, but no real complaints from me. Did you like your team overall, Chris? Yeah, I, I did. Especially those top 10 rounds, I think, were probably my favorite. And then looking at it down the stretch, I just went with some a couple of different directions. You know, Terang's probably a floor guy. Gasser seems underrated. I don't know what to do with Justin Henry Malloy. Like, he was one that I let fall a little bit because, like, in my initial, in this draft of prospect rankings I'm doing, I had him like closer to 100. So I just kind of let him fall. I was like, okay, maybe I'm too high. Now he's moved to Detroit, like I'm definitely too high, I think. I like the Benny pick. I like Justin Crawford. And then kind of from there, I think there's some you know, some question. I don't know what to do with Artiega either. Like, what does he become? Yeah. So there's some question marks, but I love the top 10, which I think is, is kind of the core group. Yeah. Yeah, same here. I, got, I love like, so the values. I got a PCA and Elijah Green. I like Junior Cameronero pick. I think I, I got Brady House in the 10th. I think there's some bounce back appeal there. Love the breakout appeal with Carlos Jorge. I love the value on Outman. Yes, I, I like my uh, like my team a good amount as well. But yeah, that'll wrap us up here. Figure we we do this episode here just to talk about our teams and our thoughts because all of the other two episodes is going to be focusing on every, you know the other the guests, their teams, thoughts, their strategies. And again, check out the last episode. We had Matt Heckman, Drew Wheeler, and Brendan Tuma, and we will have even maybe four or five guests next episode will be a jam-packed episode so that'll be out later this week but that's gonna wrap us up for this episode thank you to all the listeners for tuning in we hope you enjoyed it we i know we did you can follow us on twitter chris that wrote a i'm eric cross zero four and our show is at fantrax toolshed check out all of our written work at fantrax hq and soon to be on picture list and ftn as well or over on our patreon of course check out our youtube and join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care.